This episode of Writing Excuses has been brought to you by our listeners, patrons, and friends. If you would like to learn how to support this podcast, visit www.patreon.com slash writing excuses. Season 19, Episode 4. This is Writing Excuses. Pacing with Fonda Lee. 15 minutes long. Because you're in a hurry. And we're not that smart. I'm Mary Robinette. I'm Dong Wan. I'm Aaron. And I'm Dan. So we're here this week with our guest host, uh, who was a guest instructor on the 2023 Writing Excuses Workshop and Retreat, uh, Fonda Lee. Uh, Fonda is one of my very favorite speculative fiction writers. Um, she's the author of the Greenbone Saga, starting with Jade City, which is probably my favorite fantasy series of the past decade. Um, and so with that uh, tough introduction, I'm going to toss it over to Fonda Lee to talk about herself for a second. I don't know if there's anything else to say, Dong Wan. Thank you very much for that introduction. I'm delighted to be back on Writing Excuses. Um, as Dong Wan mentioned, I'm the author of The Greenbone Saga, as well as a number of science fiction novels. My most recent work is a novella called Untethered Sky. So when we decided to have you on the podcast, um, there was one topic that I immediately jumped to that I wanted to hear you talk about, because I think one of the strongest things about Jade City and the other Greenbone books is the incredible pacing of those books. They are very action-oriented, there's a lot of tension, but you also know how to lean into a character moment, sort of luxuriate in two people having a conversation, or even just a character walking down the street in the way that that can create tension as danger escalates in those moments. So I'm gonna toss it over to you to talk a little bit about how you think about pacing and what are some tools that our audience can use. I love talking about pacing because I think it's a topic that isn't covered quite as frequently in writing conferences, writing classes. And one of the reasons is because it is so incredibly subjective and dependent on the genre, the subgenre, the category, the length of the work, the tone, the author voice, all of these things play into pacing and what the right pacing is for a story. If you go on to Goodreads and you pick any book, almost certainly you will find a five-star review that says, this book was gripping, I couldn't put it down. And you will almost certainly find a one-star review that says, this was so boring, I couldn't finish it. And that is because so much of the pacing is dependent on reader expectations. Um, So I like to think of pacing not just as the speed of the story, which is what I think a lot of people automatically assume it is. Instead, I think of pacing as the sequence of events, the prose style, the rhythm, and the level of tension in the narrative that affect the reader's perceived unfolding of that story. So think of it as the soundtrack of your story. Yeah, I love you talking about it in those terms because Inside industry circles, the other reason I wanted to bring this up is I feel like it's one of the aspects of writing that I understand least well. Because inside industry circles, we use a a truly terrible term where we say, that book is pacey or that book is not pacey, right? Which is a terrible way to say it, but I don't know why we do it that way. Anyways, people are constantly telling me that like, oh, that's not pacey enough or that book is very pacey. And I'll read it and I'll be like, I found this to be very tense experience or, you know, so there is that subjectiveness that comes into it. So when you're thinking about how to increase that tension, how do you 
target what readership you're going for and make sure for that audience, it's like pulling them through the experience in the right way? Yeah, that's a really good question to ask because you have to first ask yourself, what are the conventions of your genre and category and what are your readers going to expect? So if you're writing for adult literary fiction audience, they're going to have a very different expectation of pacing than if you're writing a middle grade fantasy novel. So that's the first thing to know is that you have to work within the expectations of your readership. And you're only going to know that by reading a lot within that category or that genre and understanding what conventional pacing is within the field that you're working in. But also remember that the way that you just used pacing, pacey, right, which is essentially saying it's a faster story, is not always right. It's not always appropriate for that work. And that advice, I think, also comes oftentimes because beginning writers are told you have to hook the reader right at the beginning. You have to attract the agent, you have to attract the editor, and so they default to trying to make the beginning of their story as fast-paced as possible when that may not be the most appropriate beginning to their story. Um, So pacing is so inextricably tied to structure that you can um, really think about controlling pacing as controlling structure. And if you have a good understanding of the structure of your work, the beats that are expected, the the rhythm of which you want to unroll your story, um, you're a good way of the way towards controlling pacing. That's a really interesting way of phrasing that because when I was coming in, um, I was very good at character, but the thing that I had trouble with was structure. And then after that, I felt like the thing that I had to learn was pacing and that I'm only just starting to get a, a grasp on how to control it. Like I had an understanding as a reader of what I wanted to see but how to manipulate it was was slower in coming. So I'm wondering, like, what tools, when you're trying to speed something up or slow something down, mm. what tools are you using? Yeah. And I think a really key part of your question is the also the slowing things down. Mm-hmm. Because oftentimes people think of pacing in terms only of speeding things up. And oftentimes beta readers or your critique partners will give you the feedback there's too much going on. And to me, that is code for, you need to look at pacing. And you may be trying to move too many things into a scene and slowing things down is actually gonna help your reader. So in terms of the tools that you asked about for speeding things up, one of um, the ways that I think about speeding things up is um, being as economical as possible with description, with um, dialogue, and with exposition. So you are going, there's, there's a few things that you can think about. One is, um, first of all, how do you make your scenes do multiple jobs? Um, and if you are, if you want to increase the pace of a particular part of your story, you can do that by being, by accomplishing more by, and layering those ingredients into a scene. So let's say you have um, an action scene that's going on. You also want to reveal a bit of character in that scene. You want to have a tense moment um, that while the action is going on, a bit of dialogue that's going to increase the tension there. Um, and you're going to cut out all the extraneous stuff that might slow your reader down. One thing also, just very tactically, is that your reader is going to um, move more quickly 
through prose when there's more white space on the page. So even something like the way that you put together your sentences to be more economical, to create more white space on the page, to create make the eye move faster is going to increase the speed right. at which your reader processes. Um, the other thing too is look at dialogue. Dialogue can be a fantastic way to control the pacing of your story, especially making it feel almost artificially fast and punchy. If you look at some really good screenwriters, like Aaron Sorkin, for example, um, or you know, a movie like Glengarry Glen Ross, if you actually think about what happens in that movie, not that much, but it feels very fast-paced because of the dialogue of the characters, the, the really snappy, witty way that they talk. And the, the piece of advice here to remember is... Uh, you don't try to write realistic dialogue. Realistic dialogue, normal people talking, is in, is full of tangents. We go in weird directions. We have all these fillers. Um, but look at really great script writers and the way they write dialogue and the way that increases um, the speed at which their scenes unfold. Now, going to the other side of that question, the how do you slow a scene down, um, that is actually a, a really good um, Thing that sometimes you need to do in order to give your story breathing room. Oftentimes, books that are fast-paced suffer from having action scene after action scene after action scene, where the characters can't process what's happening, and as a result, the reader doesn't have time to process what's happening. So one of the things that I like to do in my own work is making sure those high-tension scenes, those high-action scenes, are spaced out in a way that the characters have these quiet moments in between. So they have a chance to process what's happened. You can get an interiority um, in with those characters. Um, and that creates this sort of ebb and flow of tension. We're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to talk about some of the common pitfalls that readers, writers run into when trying to manage the pacing of their work. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. So my thing of the week is a short story collection. And the reason why I want to highlight this is because one of the best ways to get a lot of different examples of pacing is to read short stories. Oftentimes in a novel, there are many ebbs and flows, and so the novel has varied pacing throughout. Short stories, you can really get a snapshot of different types of pacing by reading a bunch of short stories together. Um, so the anthology that I want to highlight is a little self-serving. It is The Book of Witches, edited by Jonathan Strawn and out by Harper Voyager. Um, I have a story in it, uh, as well as many other fantastic speculative fiction authors, and it is out in time for Halloween. So check that out, Book of Witches. Okay, Dan, I believe you had something. I just wanted to go back to something Fonda said at the very beginning about how we often think of pacing as being speed, and it isn't necessarily that. Um, when someone says a book is boring, it's not because nothing's happening in it necessarily. It's because there's nothing compelling or interesting to pull them through. 
Um, people don't need just like constant explosions. They need something that they are fascinated by, that they are interested in, that they want to know more about. And so, um, you know, people always tell me that, uh, you know, my John Cleaver books, for example, are paced very well and are paced very quickly. The first several scenes of I Am Not a Serial Killer, like nothing happens. The first scene, the hook for that book is just a really kind of slow embalming um, where he talks to his mom and his aunt. Uh, nothing is happening. There's no real danger, but there is a lot of emotional tension and a lot of conflict between the characters and a lot of kind of intriguing world-building stuff and all of these other things. It is compelling to read through, even though really nothing's going on until like chapter four. By contrast, I have had people say that the opening to Relentless Moon is slow because it starts with a literal explosion. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yep. It yeah. just goes but, the re- but my character is like, oh, I know how to handle this because she's an astronaut. So, so she's chill about it, and, and I think that, that affects people. Yeah, I think the thing that I see most commonly when somebody's trying to write a really fast-paced book or somebody's trying to be really commercial is they'll do a bunch of action scenes back-to-back or to start in action. But to me, that can end up feeling very slow, either because of something Mary Robinette's mentioned, which is the character is so competent in the moment, or because we don't know the characters yet. So you don't have those individual character stakes, right? There's nothing that's really putting them at threat in sort of a core identity way. And for me, that's where a lot of tension comes from. And so sometimes just throwing someone into a situation where survival is the question can feel ironically less tense and less driving than a scene where a relationship is at stake, which could be as slow as a conversation Mm -hmm. with family members. Yeah. Yeah. The question I always keep in mind is at any given time, are there things happening that are crucial to the narrative? Those don't just have to be external plot things. And if you're, especially if you're thinking of, of the release and buildup of tension throughout a story, you're going to have times when, let's say there's um, a scene where something has been resolved in your external plot, but that resolution scene has a buildup of tension on an interpersonal subplot. So you're always thinking of of the ebb and flow of tension throughout. And if you're releasing tension in one area, are you building it in another area? Um, And keep the reader anticipating change. I think that's the key thing when it comes to maintaining that tension is it could be a very minor character moment. It could be a conversation that's just between two family members in a quiet room, but it couldn't feel very tense because the reader is anticipating that whatever is happening is going to change something. Yeah, I love that thought about ebb and flow for two reasons. One is that I I sometimes do think about sort of pacing as being in a car, um, you know, that sort of metaphor. And oftentimes you will not realize how quickly you're going until you slow down. You know, you don't realize the speed until something changes. And then that change makes you realize, well, actually, like, We all got used to being on a boat, and now the boat is moving a lot more today, and we are feeling that change, y'all. So, you know, that is the thing that that really lets you know that a pacing is happening. I also think that you can change the distance 
between uh, when you're having like uh, something is introduced and then resolved. If things are introduced and resolved really quickly, that feels faster paced than mm -hmm. if you introduce something and it takes a while for it to resolve. And so having those, that's another way to make something feel, I think for me, faster or slower paced. Yeah. And being able to direct control and then twist your reader's expectations creates variation in the pacing, which is interesting to them and will keep them compelled because, uh, you know, a monotonous dance track that's very fast paced is still boring, right? If you are the DJ of this soundtrack of your story, you want to be switching things up so that, you know, you're moving seamlessly from song to song, but it's not just one continuous beat. Even if it's fast paced, it's going to get dull. I was watching an interview the other day with the guy who did the highest parachute jump ever. You remember the guy a few years ago, he went up into oh, yeah. like low earth orbit and jumped. And what was fascinating to me is he said for the first long while of that, it didn't feel like he was falling at all. It just felt like floating there. Uh, this is this incredible thing. He's like uh, something like 160,000 feet um, and he said it didn't feel like falling. It, it wasn't exciting. It was just floating. And that's because he, there wasn't enough atmosphere. There wasn't enough to react against. And so it wasn't, like Aaron said, there wasn't change of speed. There wasn't, um, you know, the sign of something going on. It was just nothing. I love that idea. I love that image that it's the variation is the change in rhythm is the the, the use of negative space, all of these things are what's helping move your reader through the story at the speed that you want them to and keep them engaged throughout. So Fonda, thank you so much for joining us. I believe you have our homework this week. I do. Your homework this week is to take a page of a story that you're working on. And I want you to first try to speed it up. So cut the description, be very tight with dialogue, and try to make this as fast-paced a scene as you can. Then I want you to do the opposite. So give the characters a lot more time, include more content, more interiority, more exposition, more world building, and slow the pace down, make it a more extended scene. And then compare those two versions, see how they feel and which one serves your story better. This has been Writing Excuses. You're out of excuses. Now go write. We love hearing about your successes. Have you sold a short story or finished your first novel? Tell us about it. Tell us about how you've applied the stuff that we've been talking about. Use the hashtag WXSuccess on social media or drop us a line at success at writingexcuses.com. Writing Excuses has been brought to you by our listeners, patrons, and friends. For this episode, your hosts were Mary Robinette Kowal, Dong Wan Song, Aaron Roberts, and Howard Taylor. This episode was engineered by Marshall Carr Jr., mastered by Alex Jackson, and produced by Emma Reynolds. For more information, visit writingexcuses.com. If you aren't familiar with Locus Magazine, they're a long-standing and respected website, magazine, archive, and resource for science fiction, fantasy, and horror. Basically, they're the industry magazine for our genre. They also run the annual Locus Awards, a top-tier award that recognizes new, diverse, and excellent voices in speculative fiction. 
They tell the storytellers' stories through author interviews, book reviews, curated reading lists, international industry news, obituaries, and more. Locus has meant a lot to me, both personally and professionally. In my career, I've been interviewed by them, and I've also turned to them as a source of understanding who is involved in the industry. Locus is holding their annual fundraising drive to keep their doors open, lights on, and future bright. I'll be contributing to their crowdfunding campaign by donating a cutscene, some original art, and a couple of other things like, do you want to do a one-on-one chat with me? So join me in supporting Locus. Locus. 